if you have your Bible, if you would take your Bible with me, we'll get right into the message this morning. Kids are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. So if you have your Bible, let's take it together as we do the Bible decree. There may be a time very, very near, or it could be so far away, where we may not be able to hold the Word of God and proclaim it as the gospel that delivers us and sets us apart and separates us from sin. Amen? So let's say this together because we're proud of it. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen and amen. If you have your Bible, if you would please, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13 and 14. Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to be speaking to you today about help me, I can't love others because I don't love myself. I can't love others because I don't love myself. So, what does the scriptures have to say in Galatians 5, 13? For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So let me highlight this passage for you in verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen closely and watch closely. I love it when that church says that. worry about yourself. You just drive. Isn't it amazing how that in the mind of a little person, you know, she was trying to get out of that seatbelt, couldn't figure it out. But she had the world right there at her fingertips, but didn't want to ask for advice. All she wanted to do was get out of that seatbelt. And he's like, well, do you need help, honey? So he's talking to his daughter. And all she keeps saying is worry about yourself. You know, I find it real interesting when I when I look at that and my daughter and I take and she shared that with us years ago. And every once in a while, I'll say something. She'll say, Dad, worry about yourself. So I'll say the same thing. You worry about yourself. And uh, so we go back and forth about this. But I believe that many of us, we worry so much about ourselves that it hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you today came to church because you want a deeper relationship with Christ. Amen. We didn't come just because it was our religious duty or responsibility. Yes, we are commanded. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. We're to come to church for a reason. But we come for the edification. We come for the encouragement. We come to worship God. We come to pour into one another because it's so important in our daily lives. So does anybody ever feel small? You know, going through life, does, does anybody in this room ever feel small? Or, or you just feel like, I'm, I feel inadequate or insecure. Well, if you have felt that way, I want you to know you are not alone. You are not alone. And if you've ever felt inadequate, you're not alone. Have you ever sensed that this feeling of inadequacy has hindered your relationship from blossoming? Well, don't worry about it, because all of us, 
test felt that way. The temptation to feel inadequate even creeps into the church. We all face this struggle. Consider the lyrics to the stained glass masquerade by Casting Crowns. Here's what it says. Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again so everyone will see me the way that I see them. Then it goes into the chorus, and here's what it says in the chorus. Are we happy plastic people underneath a shiny plastic steeple with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass. And it proceeds into the next verse. Is there anyone who's been there? Are there any hands to raise? Am I the only one who's prayed it in the altar or stand? The performance is convincing and we know every line by heart. Only when no one is watching can we really fall apart. But what it set me free, if I dared to let you see the truth behind the person that you imagine me to be? Would your arms be open or would you walk away? Would the love of Jesus be enough to make you stay? Are we happy plastic people underneath a shiny plastic steeple with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, maybe then we close the curtain on our stand. I remember as, as a child, just the, the importance that was put on dress, the pressures that were put on as an image. You have to look this way, walk this way, talk this way. Everything's always about image. We grow up, and everything's about image, and we can't even decide what we're going to wear on a Sunday morning church service. So let me demonstrate. My wife walks in, and she says to me, I love this jacket. I go, babe, if you love it, I'm going to wear it. So she lays it on our bed. So we'll pretend this is my bed. And I know I'm popping, but I had to put it here because I remember with a different That's probably why it's tripping me up a little bit. Anyhow, um, just because I'm trying on different jackets. But I will say this, that when it comes to getting ready, many of us, have dilemmas. And the dilemma is this. Am I feeling it today? Am I feeling what I'm putting on? Now watch what happened to me this morning. So I put the jacket on and I'm like, ooh, look at those shoes. They're on point. They're gray like the plaid. I'm going to wear that today. But then I'm like, no, I'm not feeling it. So I thought, well, I'm going to put on another jacket. So I went in my closet. I grabbed the jacket. And uh, thank you. And uh, as I put this jacket on, something happened. I wrapped it around me and I said, I don't know what's going on here, but is that being held? Let me, let me help you. Here, maybe that'll help you stand it up. I wrapped it around me and I went, um, no, I'm not feeling this today. Hmm, something or another. You ever feel that way and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, no, you were uglier before when you had that thing on. You probably won't want to wear that because people will notice that it's not looking good. So I chucked it, and I just laid it over. Then I thought, oh, wait a minute. I got it. I've got it. I'm going to put on another jacket. Let me see. Yeah, I'm feeling this one. Yeah, I like this jacket. I haven't worn it in a long time. Ooh, it fits great in the midsection. I stopped drinking pop, so I took off a couple inches. I'm tucking it in right now, or you probably popped the button. Anyhow, um, so I looked in the mirror, and as I looked in the mirror, I went, um, why do I look like I'm Dennis the Menace in my daddy's jacket? What's up with these sleeves? And at one point, I'm like, I feel good. I was 
was like praising Jesus in the bedroom, trying to figure out if this would. No, it wasn't working. I said, I am not wearing that jacket. Did I ever wear this in front of people? I did. I'm like, oh, I got to put that thing up. And then I thought, okay, wait a minute. I got another black one. You know, I, I love suit jackets. I used to wear them all the time because, you know, that was what I had to wear. I had to wear a tie. I had to wear the right shoes and the right look. And, you know, because, hey, if I didn't, people wouldn't like me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Pretty looking good. I looked in the mirror and I, I said, um, Something's wrong with this jacket. It's too long. Why do styles have to change all the time? Expectation has to change, and then they put the pressure on it to go buy another jacket. So I walked in the bedroom. I said, babe, what do you think? She goes, you look hot in anything. Let's give her a round of applause. So I said to her, I'm not feeling it. So she goes to the car. She gets in the driver's seat, because I normally drive everywhere we go. And so she patiently waited for me because I'm having a girly moment. Couldn't figure out what to wear like she does with her shoes. I do with these jackets. Is that on point? Does that look right? I don't know what's going on. Something isn't right about this outfit. What's that? Good. She said I should have listened to her to begin with. So then I put the plaid jacket back on, and I was feeling it. And so I said, this is what I'm going to wear. But watch what happened. I started thinking to myself, why, why did you put so much emphasis on your image, Todd? Because I stand in front of people. Because people, you can't help it. You're watching me preach. You're watching me teach. You're watching us sing. And so there's this expectation that so many people have. This past week on my small church group uh, blog, there was actually a pastor who was approached by two deacons, and those two deacons said to him, I think you need to start preaching on what people should wear to church. Well, that just, I want you all to know, that was the premise of today's message. God kind of gave me that little segue to say, okay, something's not right here. And I read what all these other pastors had to say about a hundred. Well, you can talk about wearing this, or you can talk about wearing that. How about you just don't talk about anything? Or be happy you're not coming to church like Adam and Eve. I was like, Lord Jesus, that would scare me. But let's be real. Why is there such an emphasis on our image? We can never measure up to somebody else's expectation. Do I hear an amen? We can never measure up to somebody else's expectation. We've got to be who God created us to be. We, we serve an amazing God. Yeah, I want to be cool. I want to be swag. Man, I want to be on point. Just because I'm 50 doesn't mean I've lost it. I might lose it when I'm 90, but not when I'm 50. I'm still young, and the world is in front of me. But we have a tendency to start believing what people have told us. We hang out with people that put us down. They tell us we're not enough. They tell us, listen, what are you hiding behind? Are you just a shiny person behind that stained glass masquerade? What are you hiding from? Do you attend that church where people can't be real? They can't come to church as they are? Well, let me tell you, church, if somebody walked in here and they were homeless, they are welcome at New Hope Talmud. If they don't look the part, they're welcome to New Hope Talmud. See, this is where we have failed to realize our responsibility in the kingdom. We are to spread the gospel. We are to allow that fire to filtrate to so many people and to get excited about the Savior we serve. He said, listen, disciples, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What about this, church? If we said, God, I'm putting everything else aside, it doesn't matter how cold that sanctuary is, it doesn't matter how difficult uh, the sound is because they're blasting off my toupee and I had to pick it up several times because the music's so loud, it doesn't matter if they have boom shaka lack of boom shaka because they've got a band of 50 people up there and it's loud. What matters more importantly is that we have the Word of God and that the Gospel is being presented every week in our daily lives. See, 
we come to church and we have this notion and expectation of what people think we should be. And who we are. Listen, I, I love this. I actually even Googled what do 50-year-old men wear because I thought maybe I'm losing it. Maybe I still have my polyesters or something. So I was like, and a lot of the 50-year-olds, I was like, well, get rid of the pinstripe suits, get rid of those because one, Todd, they don't have flared suit pants like this any longer. And it was so funny because when skinny jeans came out, this is just an advertisement, but when skinny jeans came out, I was like, I will never wear skinny jeans. They are the coolest thing that ever hit the market. I'm just telling you. So I said, it doesn't matter. But to stay on point, he goes, I am not wearing skinny jeans. Come on. Anyhow, so anyhow, I love the authenticity. This song challenges us to live by. We all feel inadequate sometimes, so why put on a mask, right? We've all been there. Donning masks is not the way that God wants us to handle our self-image now. Instead. God tells us in his word how to effectively gain a proper view of ourselves, a view from his perspective. You know, it's amazing. We will listen to what people say, and it's so, Danny, it's so bizarre to me, because last week I can hear all the blessings of 15 years, but if somebody comes up and says, I didn't like the chicken sandwich, why is it we remember the chicken sandwich? Because that's where Satan puts a a hold on your life. That's called a stronghold. He gets a hold of you, and you can't be effective where you need to be. Be the best you can be. Be the best version of yourself, the way God created you. And we'll get into that this morning. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can mirror your image, that we can be reflective of your image. Father, help us to just be loved by you and not have to worry about what others think or what others do or what others say. Father, help us to walk holy for you are holy. Help us to live a life that we are challenged today to to walk in victory, to run in victory, to let our wives, our spouses, our husbands, our children see that we are mirroring the image of God. God, have we forgotten to pray at the dinner table? Have we forgotten to make you a center of our conversation or has it been politics? God, you're still on the throne. It doesn't matter if it's Republican or if it's Democrat or if it's independent. It doesn't matter what it is or how it is. God, you're still in control. And I believe that because it's right here, right now. So, God, we thank you for your influence in our life. Help us to not worry about the noise of this world and help us just to focus on our relationship with you. Thank you for your word. Challenge us. Help us. Help us to live a better life. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us to love ourselves. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. In Isaiah 55, I threw this in there. Oops. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Here's what it has to say. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. He will have everlasting compassion on us. Have we ever asked ourselves the question, why don't, why I don't feel like I measure up? Why I don't feel like I measure up? There are several reasons we sometimes don't love ourselves and feel like we're not measuring up. Because we live by standards of others. One big problem is that we often mistakenly base our opinion of ourselves on the standards of the fallen world around us and not on the information that's found in the Word of God. Our culture basically has three inadequate standards of adequacy. One, appearance. Two, performance. Three, social status. People compare themselves to other people all the time to see if they rank higher in one or more of these three areas. And if they think they do, the ironic thing is that their judgments are only subjective. But if they think they are better looking or greater performers or higher in their social status, then they mistakenly conclude they are valuable and adequate on this basis. They suffer from what is called the Rudolph the Red.
reindeer syndrome. I've never heard that before, but you will today. The Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Syndrome. Remember in the, the reindeer pecking order, Rudolph was just a nobody. It didn't matter. He was a nobody. Then came that foggy Christmas Eve when Rudolph had an ability that others valued. He had a nose, a good-looking nose that glowed in the dark. And after he saved Christmas, the song says, then all the reindeer loved him. Think about that. After he saved Christmas, then all of the reindeer loved him. The world around us treats people they view as unattractive, as less productive, or lower socially, as less valuable. It's only when they perform or look pretty or achieve status that the world gives them or us value. But God doesn't work that way. There isn't any partiality with him. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, growing up, they always said Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But now the cool thing to say is 2 Corinthians. Cool clothes. Cool wording. Can you all appear to me like 2 Corinthians? Yes, it's you Chapter 10, verse 12. Could you imagine if I spoke like this the whole message? You're like, I'm never going back to that place. That guy's nut job. But it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other. Using themselves as the standard of measure. Look what it says in the New Living Translation. How ignorant. The Bible also said God does not respect one person more than any other. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, he doesn't care if you've been bombarded with Botox. He doesn't care. Or has your body reshaped to that of a perfect 10. He's not impressed with your intellect, your salary, or your standing in the community. Honestly, he's not. But the world around us is. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of evaluating our adequacy, our value, our self-love, arbitrary, man-made, and ultimately insufficient rules of self-worth. Amazing, isn't it? I'm not suggesting that we should ignore our parents, that we should perform poorly, or that we should even shun our society. And I'm not suggesting that we go to the other extreme or of overplaying our importance. We need to constantly view ourselves as being loved by God and created. We must view ourselves as being loved by God unconditionally. We are not unimportant because we don't measure up to other people's standards, and we're not more important because we have more or, or we do more than anybody else. God's not waiting for you to reach a certain level. He already loves you. Your adequacy is not based on the subjective or ever-changing formulas of other humans. Your value is based on the assessment of your creator and of your savior. Listen to me. Each one of us is adequate because God made us and provided for our eternal friendship with him. And if you will make a personal faith commitment to Jesus Christ, your life will change. Oh, I watched on Facebook this past week. I get, you know, I, I get a little bit tired of social media. It makes you feel some sort of way, doesn't it? You, you put on a post and somebody has to put something negative on it. Or they have to elevate themselves to make themselves look better when they're truly bitter. That's what is sickening to me about social media. Always trying to esteem myself higher and the only thing you did is make yourself look more ignorant. Listen, each and every one of us have sin. Each and every one of us have sin in our life. Each and every one of us deal with our own inadequacies, our own insecurities. But we must remember 
that each one of us has something within us. And they're designer genes. The genes of Jesus Christ, of Almighty God. Not designer genes much like Levi or Jordache or Calvin Klein. Had to throw those in. You can tell what era I'm in, right? Jordache, the 70s and the 80s. I had to just throw that in there today, you know. I don't know. And today we could say Under Armour or Echo or whatever some of those other clothings are. I don't know. But I just thought Jordache is kind of cool. I, I actually chuckled last night when I was writing that down. I'm like, pretty funny. So kind of cool. But today I'm talking about how we need to love ourselves if we're going to love others. How we need to love ourselves if we're going to love others. I know it's difficult for so many, and I know that, that many of you struggle with that in your life. And I realize that some people love themselves way too much, but that is not our focus today. The problem we're dealing with today is how a lack of proper self-esteem can hinder your relationships. We're in this room, and because of how you feel and the words that somebody spoke into your life made you feel insecure, inadequate, and as low as your self-esteem, it didn't help you to move forward in your life. I want to be the kind of pastor to tell you that God loves you. And that it doesn't matter what somebody else had to say about you. What matters more importantly is your relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationship with God Almighty, and how He feels about you and your walk in your life. You're going to have serious difficulty building solid relationships if you have a crummy self-esteem. Or if your self-esteem is just based on faulty words. See, the question is not only this. How can I obey the command to love my neighbor as myself by the fuller love of myself? But also, how can I love others in the right way if my self-image is based on a faulty self-esteem? If we don't get this right, we're going to go through life without this self-esteem. Did you hear that? If we don't get this right, we're going to go through life self-destructing. And the truth is we do. In college, Lyle was not sure he could make the NFL. Since he only weighed just 195 pounds, that is not enough weight to be a defensive lineman in the National Football League. So Lyle decided to take steroids, and he became a monstrous 300-pound defensive machine. His decision to take steroids brought him to the success and fame that he desired but only for a short time. You see, the steroids probably caused the brain cancer that ended his life. Lyle Alzado died at 43 years of age. His life was literally cast aside. Most of us are never going to play professional sports, and I get that. Be chased by the paparazzi, and I get that. Be corporate executives or win beauty pageants or achieve something the world thinks is significant. We all know that, but we still wrestle with self-image, no matter what, and sometimes do unwise things in order to be accepted by who? By the world. We shouldn't waste our time trying to build up our self-image based on what the world around us says. Lindsay Isabel, I have done so much in this pulpit because people told me I like it this way. I don't like it that way. Could you please do this more of this and less of that? Could you please? Ready? You're going to love this one. Do you really have to have facial hair? Do you really not have to have facial hair? Um, where'd you get those pointy shoes? You don't like your pointy shoes. Well, I took them off and I stuck them in a closet. And I changed this about me and I changed that about me. I continually thought, well, I've got to do this if I want to win people to Christ. No, Jesus builds the church. I don't. And it doesn't matter if I go back to my 1984 Jordache, which I never had Jordache. That's too much to admit. That's Jordache. But, um, and if I brought out my cool polyester striped blue suit with my striped tie. Come on, everybody had a navy blue one. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You had that navy blue suit, too, with that navy blue tie that had all those different ugly, like, blue colors and things. Okay, 
And for some of you women, don't you, you wait, Debbie, you had those big glasses and that big hair, that 80s poof that came out to here, all because that was the style. And Aquanet, y'all had money and money and money. There was stock of Aquanet in your house. Everybody knows that too. Listen to what the scriptures have to say about our image. If you get your self-image from any human being, including yourself, it's going to be messed up. The only proper self-image comes from recognizing that your self-image is based on the fact that you were made in the image of Almighty God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit got together, and in creation, he created man, and here's what he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, "Woo!" Then God said, wow. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God created me to look like him, to be like him. That is so cool to me. But why is it we forget who we are? We forget who we are in Christ and whose we are when we come born again in Jesus Christ. Talk about a great platform for self-image. I was made in the image of God. Say this with me. I was made in the image of God. My image is a reflection of God. And now let me say this. I'm not insignificant or unimportant because I am made in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? Listen, I'm not insignificant or unimportant because I am made in the image of God. It's hard being a preacher. Y'all try this job sometimes. I'm actually reading before it comes out of here. I'm seven sentences down. I got to know where I'm going, where I was, where it's in between. And sometimes you wonder why he's chasing that rabbit down that foxhole because he forgot where he was going. And sometimes my tongue gets caught right between this gap. Just kidding. All right. All right, thank you, honey. You and I are all made in the image of God, and he had a gap too, right there. And I understand that we are not God, but we are important because we are made in the image. So here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I formed you, I knew you. I formed you, I knew you. Romans eight twenty nine it says, he conformed to the image of God. It says that we were conformed to the image of God. In Psalms 139, 13 through 16, it says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And Ryan, I just have to tell you, if the hardest part is in some hair don't grow your way, it's all right. You'll make it through the day. Like a pitch, because that's our phrase all the time. Ooh, your hair's on point. Listen, if you get your self-image from your appearance, what are you going to do when you get around people who are better looking? It is based on performance. How, you, how are you going to feel about yourself on those days when others outperform, outperform you? It is based on social status. What are you going to do when someone at a more impressive family register or higher standing in the community? No matter how it works out, no matter what happens, you're always going to feel you're not going to feel satisfied. You're going to suffer feelings of inadequacy. Why? Because you were basing your self-worth So how am I supposed to reprogram this false new software that keeps telling me I'm less important than others, that I'm inadequate, that I don't matter, that I'm not as special as someone else, that I don't have any reason to love myself? There's only one way, daily renewal of my inner thought process. Daily renewal of my inner thought process, which means get into the Word, which means put on some good music. Now watch how I'm going to turn all this around this morning because I'll give you three points and then we will, we will be done. But I will do it quickly. See, the Bible says in, in 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, even though our physical being is gradually decaying, hence the wrinkles, yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. Can I just say, what a blessing that is. Think about it. If you are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, no matter how old you are, if you're being renewed every day spiritually, you're now growing in Christ. Let people see that inner joy, that inner love inside of you, and you'll start to see growth take place. See, my task is to renew myself spiritually every single day. I can't afford to let a day go by that I am not renewing my thinking by dwelling on God's truth. Do you hear me? If I trust my own thinking and emotions, which are both impaired because of my fallen, sinful human nature, then I will stray into self-loathing instead of self-loving. With that thought in mind, let's look at some energizing biblical approaches to health. Let's look at energizing biblical approaches to self-worth. If I'm going to love myself in the right way so that I can love others in the right way, there are several habits I need to establish. The list I'm giving you today is not exhaustive, yet the habits are very practical. And if you do these things, you'll have a greater grip on a balanced view of yourself. I wake up in the morning and I go to bed. And when I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my prayer closet and I get on my knees. And when I'm on my knees, I say this. Good morning, God. Thank you for waking me today. Thank you for allowing me to kneel. And thank you for allowing me to get back up. I hope that since I made that commitment that I will always be able to kneel and get back up. And today, God, I want to talk to you about some people. And here are those people. And so as I preach, I memorize where you're at. And some of you, I may not even know your name. But then I get to talk about you and lift you up in prayer. And then I get to talk to the Lord about, you know what? Help me to love people like you love me. And yet, God, help me to serve others like you serve me. Help me to give like you gave your only begotten son for me. Help me, God, to have the image that I need to have in my workplace, in my marriage, because I'm a jerk to my wife. I'm a jerk to my husband. I'm a jerk to my kids. Help me, God, today to have patience for my four daughters. Help me to have patience. As we get through this marriage this weekend with one of our kids getting married. Oh, I'm getting delusional. I'm just kidding. Help me, Lord, just to get through areas in my life. And you know, I'm just thankful that I get a chance to then say, help me to love others like you love me. You know, I, I'm serious. I want to love you. Look to the person next to you and say, I love you. Doesn't that make you feel good? There's nobody next to you. Shout across the way. I love you! Oh, sorry. You know what? Hey, I, one, one message I did, I asked everybody to just say all these kind things, and I wrote them down, and then you repeated, and people were laughing because we were making comments like, we love your hair, we love your shirt, we love your shoes, we, we just love you, and, you know, all kinds. But, but that's truly love. Point number one, think like Jesus. This needs to be foundational. Think like Jesus. It's possible to love myself for the wrong reasons. It's possible to make a subjective comparison of myself with someone else and pridefully conclude that I'm adequate because I think I'm better than the person I'm comparing myself to. They that compare themselves or commend themselves among themselves are not wise. You heard me read it in the scriptures. Concluding that you are of more value than anyone else is not the way that God's word tells us. It tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, nothing should be done because of pride or vainglory or thinking about yourself. Think of other people as more important than yourself. It says think of other people as more important than yourself. And if you're in Philippians chapter 2, you can circle that sentence. Think of other people as more important than yourself. 
Then it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I love this because this is how Jesus thought. This is the way that he taught and he lived. Think as Christ Jesus thought. Jesus has always been as God is, but he did not hold to his rights as God. He put aside everything that belonged to him and made himself the same as a servant who is owned by someone. He became human by being born as a man. After he became a man, he gave up his important place and obeyed by dying on a cross. Wow, that's servanthood. That's thinking like Jesus. It's amazing. The Lord of lords and king of kings gave up his rights as God, and it began in his thinking. He voluntarily began thinking of himself as our servant. Jesus came to serve and not be served. Sometimes our adequacy issues are based on pride. We simply worry too much about how others view us. And this causes our relationships to suffer. If my self-esteem is poor because it is based on my pride or on someone else's estimation of me, then I become more sensitive when others disrespect me. Insecure people are touchy people. Welcome to McDonald's. How may I take your order? Yes, I'd like a Big Mac. Hello, thank you for the coffee and the fries. Ice and Coke are six shakes, seven and an apple pie. Excuse me, sir. What did you say? Ma'am, do you, do you want me to say it slower? Yeah. I'd like a Big Mac, a filet fish, a quarter pounder, French fries, icy Coke, six shakes, Sunday, and an apple pie. Is that all? Yeah. Move forward. I get up to the window. And he says, $17.77. You don't know whether to give them the card, chuck the card at them, hand them cash because you're afraid that the individual is going to come through the window. Am I the only one who's experienced that? So my sister, I'm the good twin. She's the evil twin. Y'all just remember that. She's the only one that chucks cheeseburgers in the window if they don't take the pickles off. That's how that goes. Back to the Big Mac, filet of fish, quarter pound of French fry, ice Coke, six shakes, Sunday nap pot. Amen. That was from the 80s, too. Do you guys remember that? See, I, I just, I'm just trying to do this time lapse for all of you, right? Here's the problem with our lady at McDonald's or our man at McDonald's or our individual at McDonald's or whatever's going on at McDonald's. They have a low self-esteem. Why don't they do it like this? Hello and welcome to McDonald's. I love my job and I love Big Macs. I love filet of fish I love a quarter pound of French fries. I still keep checking Sunday and apple pie. What can we get for you today? Wow. See, it's all in the approach, right? When we go to Disney World, why do you all want to go to Disney World? Because Mickey and Minnie are having a great day. And you walk in, you see the castle, you see all the chaos that's going on, and you start thinking, what are they doing? Think about it. We know Disney does not think like Jesus, but I'm telling you, we need to think like Jesus. So what happens is they're there to serve us, right? They want to serve all $5,000 that you have saved up all year, and they want you to spend it in a day. But think about this. Think about what's happening. We realize the insecure person who was at McDonald's, it kind of overflowed into 
his or her attitude, right? And so we go to Disney World, and the first thing you do, you get there, and you get on the tram, and you're like, hello, my name's Kit, and you're going to have the best day of your life. Welcome to Disney. As we take the tram down this way, we're going to go up that way and back over that way. Make sure you stop by and see Cinderella. We've got some specials today. You can have your cheeseburger at the McDonald's stand, not for $17.77, but for $29.99. Split it five ways between your family because that's all you can afford. That's Really, that's kind of sometimes how I feel when we went to Disney. When you have four daughters, wife, it was a lot of money for me. All I know is that we saved for a lifetime to have that wonderful experience. But why is it when we come into the church, I'm so numb and COVID out. Hey, come on, don't let me see. Move your head. I can't see what the preacher is trying to say. Step aside. We, we get angry. And so all of this starts to affect who we are. Now, I'm going to stop for just a minute putting all the, the crazy stuff aside. When people aren't grasping for control of a relationship, there's never harmony. Strife is lessened. And I don't care if it's in your marriage, with your friends at work or at church. Did you know the Bible actually gives us guidelines on how to get through to one another so it doesn't affect us? And many of us need the principles for a solid relationship in our life. But see, one of the rules is this. God wants us to help us find our self-esteem. Not by depending on others to give us our own way, but by thinking of ourselves as we should see ourselves, as servants to one another. For one thing, you're not going to get your own way all the time. And for another thing, when you push and shove and fight and argue to get your own way all the time, which is selfish, you're going to paint yourself into a relationship corner. No one is going to want to be around you. I wake up in the morning and I say to my wife, good morning, babe. How can I serve you today? Is that true? I do. Every day I'll have her coffee ready. I'm an early riser. And so I get up. I love serving my wife. It is the joy of my life. And then you get rewarded. And that's the joy of my life. Oh. Anyhow, that goes with the love encounter, which will be back in the fall. I love how affectionate she is to me. I'm on a roll today. See, that's what happens when your preacher doesn't really preach the week before. Why do I? See, I told you, I'm three sentences forward and five back. Anyhow. If Jesus can think like a servant as totally awesome as he is, then I can certainly view myself the same way. So one, let's look at it this way. One, think like Jesus. Two, maintain integrity. Maintain integrity. If I'm going to feel good about myself, another big issue I'm going to have to deal with is integrity. I've got to maintain a solid level of integrity. People can tell. Do you really hear what I'm saying? If you want to have a solid relationship, and a solid level of integrity. You have to maintain. Listen, integrity is when I am true to the, to the moral code I know that God has set for me to live by according to the scriptures. The Bible teaches me to live a consistent life. The Bible teaches us to live a consistent life, not a perfect life, but a consistent life authentic life, a life of integrity. Integrity helps others trust me in my relationship with them. But I also need to maintain integrity if I'm going to feel good about myself. See, here's what the Word of God says in Proverbs 10.9. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. In some ways, your security is tied to your integrity. It's not just that others will sometimes find you out if you don't live by the moral code. You know it's right. You and God already know about your secret sin, about your sin. Your security is threatened because you have already been found out. I'm not going to feel good about myself if I keep violating my moral code. 
Your conscience is defiled and won't be secured until you confess your inconsistencies and become consistent once again. In Proverbs chapter 11, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You might object, but it isn't but isn't this gauging my self-worth by the performance or by my performance? Does this mean that I have to perform consistently in order to feel good about myself? The difference is the benchmark that you use. When you live with integrity, you are comparing yourself to a consistent lifestyle instead of comparing yourself to the arbitrary and subjective standards of other groups. Now, I know I'm going into a little bit of deep counseling right there, but I will reiterate for you, the Bible does not teach that you can be perfect. Having integrity is not being perfect. It is being being consistent in our conduct. It's being honest with yourself about your conduct. So in Proverbs it says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So one, we have to think like Jesus. Serve others. Listen, if you came in here today thinking, you know, it's too cold, it's too warm, I don't like this, I don't like that, that you know, pastor didn't come up to me yet and shake my hand. Well, you didn't come up to me and shake my hand. Think about it. If you came in here and you've got your scorecard and you've checked in it twice, seeing who's naughty or nice, then you need to do a little bit of self-examining and ask yourself, wait a minute, am I maintaining integrity? Am I thinking like Jesus? Did I walk in here today looking at everybody else saying, how can I serve him today? How can we take Talmadge, Ohio by storm? How can we make revival real? How can people see the light of Christ in this place? By the millions of cars to pull in, by the cars that are flooding the grass out front, by the cars lined up front here. Right now in America, people need Jesus more than they've ever needed Jesus, and they need a church full of integrity. We must think and be like Jesus. We must serve one another, and then last, and then I'll close. Surrender self-sufficiency. Surrender self-sufficiency. Someone is saying to his or herself right now, but I've tried to change my lifestyle in a certain area in order to be consistent to God's moral standards, but it has failed. But it just didn't work. God says you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all powerful. You can't do this on your own. Just wanted to let you know. You cannot change on your own. You need Jesus. Ironically, our self-sufficiency often stands in the way that our, of our moral victory. It stands in the way of maintaining our integrity. God is the only all-sufficient one. God is the only all-sufficient one. When I think I'm strong enough in myself to win the battle against sin, I am only fooling myself. I must adapt a mindset controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must become your GPS. The Holy Spirit must be that barometer, the compass that guides you and directs you. And in closing, there's not a better passage of Scripture than Galatians chapter 5 to identify this habit. So if you would please, we're going to read this together in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 25. And then we'll close. There's a lot to be said about loving ourselves. When was the last time you just really said, I want to be kind and loving and forgiving. I want to be like Christ. And man, I want people to love me. I don't want to be like the woman or the man that I just met at, at McDonald's. I'd much rather be like the, the fun-spirited, free-spirited, fun-loving person at Disney or Six Flags or Cedar Point or whatever. But here's what it says in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start with verses 16. And church, do you believe with me this morning we cannot do this on our own? We've got to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what it says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives in verse 16 of Galatians 5. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You see, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. 
But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not off the hook. You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But in verse 22, it says here, and I love this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them with them. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let us be led by him in all things. Love, joy, peace. Let us exhibit the love of Christ. Let us think like Jesus. Let us maintain our integrity. Let us surrender to self-sufficiency. You see, you are important. And we realized when I started off my message today, that important song, I think, nailed it for all of us. When he said, is there anyone that fails? And is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling oh so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I just don't belong. So I tug it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again. So everyone will see me the way that I see them. Are we really happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeple? With walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain. But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken, Maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. The performance is convincing, and we know every line by heart. Only when no one is watching can we really fall apart. But would it set me free if I dared to let you see the truth behind the person that you imagine me to be? Would your arms be open wide, or would you walk away? Would the love of Jesus be enough? past week, my heart was open. I watched a blog unfold amongst pastors. One of the pastors broke the code. And the law on your blog ten years ago when he started, he said this, we will not accept the responsibility of bishops who adhere to uplift one another. But because he thought he was something, the admin of the page, he decided to discuss a very controversial issue against scripture. And then when the pastor said, we don't believe in your stance, he then deleted them from the blog. There's a problem going on here. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic people with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? I believe that this pastor is dealing with some pain in his life. And I'm going to make this personal for you today. Are you dealing with some pain in your life? Has there been areas in your life where you have felt so insecure? Maybe anger has become the number one motivation behind who you are in your Christian life. Maybe you have some hidden secret sin of the heart. Maybe you have replaced love, joy, peace, and kindness with all the other things of immorality that the flesh seems to control all of us by. 
I'm not perfect. I don't stand up here to tell you, church, that I'm any different. I wrestle with the same jackets that you wrestle with, with the same shoes you wrestle with. And maybe some of you didn't. Praise God, I need to get victory over that as well. But here's the reality. We need to be more like our Savior. And I'm going to ask you a question today. Are you 100% sure if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, pastor, you preach all that. I'm an officer in the church. Now, let me just stop and ask you again. Are you 100% sure? And if you're not, all you have to do is, one, confess. Admit that you're a sinner. Two, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess and then be saved. Start walking in the newness of life. The invitation is here for you. If you've been living a life feeling like you're not enough, come to Jesus. If you've been participating and playing with sin, stop the chaos. Get your heart right with God. If your level of integrity has diminished, then stand tall. Say, I'm going to live a life of integrity, of self-sufficiency, of being more like my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to end my day the same way in prayer, and I'm going to allow worship and praise and glorification to be a part of my walk and my talk. And I used to, because people would tell me, Pastor, you preach way too long. I would look at the clock, and a quarter till I actually started sweating up here. Because I started believing what somebody else said. Well, church, I'm here to tell you it is five minutes till 12, and I'm not saying that in a bragging way. I'm saying it because the Holy Spirit wasn't ready for me to stop this message today. We only meet. We only meet once a week to hear the word. And I want every young person that's in this room, every teenager to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that you too have the power within you. You have Jesus Christ. I want a church that's busting and seeing. I want, I want, CJ, if everybody from New Hope for, for Recovery would come and just fill up a seat, that we could just pack this church, that if I have to, wouldn't it be great to have, the? and at one time we did, this area filled with the praise team sitting up here while I preach. What's wrong with that? Do not let the world see that Jesus is really enough. Thank you, Russell and Anne-Marie, for coming and serving here in church. Thank you for the joy that's in your heart. And thank you for all those that came and ate them this morning. Applaud you as well. Because their ministry is important. But I could go through here and tell you all the little things that some of our officers do. None of you would even know. But it doesn't matter because they're doing it to be more like Jesus. They want to serve. And I want that same spirit to filter through. And listen to me, men of God and women of God. Will you do that in your family? Will you do that with your wife? Will you do that with your husband? Will you make each other accountable? Will you grow together in oneness and in unity in your relationship to make your life better in Christ? Man, I want to keep preaching. I have something about two, two Old Testament characters that I won't get into today. Maybe I'll make that next week. But I want you all to realize that I have been the Lord. The same young man who couldn't say his thoughts, who was scared to death to get behind a mic and preach, who when God called me to start this church, I questioned, am I the man? And God said, I don't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I didn't have the experience. My cousin Ted told me once, they didn't teach me this in seminary. I said, I know they don't. It's life long all of us, we're in this together. I love you for who you are. I love you for how you came to church today. I love you if you have a hard heart or if you have uh, an 80s hairdo or a big short to your head or long all the way, whatever it is or however God created you and designed you. I love you for you being you. That's what my stuff's about. Because you're a pastor. You are Let's all rise and preach to you today. Father, we thank you that we can come to you today, Lord.
Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you've given us. Father, many of us feel and really believe what some of our parents have said about us and what our the bullies at school have said about us, what other people in churches have said about us. Father, we believe what other pastors have said about us, and we've lost our way. But God, help us to just stay close to your word and close to the truth where it says that we were made and fashioned in your image. So God, help us to put our insufficiencies, our inadequacies, our insecurities aside, and God, help us to live like you. God, I'm thankful that you continue to teach me. A young man who is immature, who needs to still grow in your wisdom, in your truth, and in your knowledge. God, there's somebody in this room that needs you. And I don't always do this, but I'm going to apologize in this service. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's somebody here today that has felt a sense of insecurity and adequacy, they might want to slip up their hand. Let me pray for you. Amen. 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 All over the room. Amen. Father, we, we just thank you that today, Lord, in our life, help us to feel a sense of fullness. Help us to feel a sense of your love, your security. Lord, we've all dealt with these insecurities in our life. But God, help us to celebrate the person that you've created. And then God, we thank you that even in your word it says that as we exhibit and we live and embrace your word, that you're celebrated, you're one victorious, you're have love, joy, peace, and kindness, and unselfishness. So Father God, forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we sing this song, let us claim that you are, and you have exhibited amazing grace, and that we're no longer bound to the chains of our shame, but we can now lift our hands victorious and celebrate the new creation that we have found in you. For Father, we adore you, we worship you, and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.